Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Thirty-one oh two squat cleans. Thirty. Wow. 30. Impressive. Yeah, massive, isn't it? Huge. Amazing hands on too. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Uh, back in the rugby dungeon for the first of two podcasts that will be in your feed. This one about. Well, as JB would say, the rugbyest time of the year. Indeed, indeed. In fact, in fact, we got sent a gift by. Uh, I've got the original. Have you? I, yeah. yeah. So why? Hold on. You've got if you. Uh, it's I, just not on this laptop. Oh, uh, I thought that when you said I've got the original, I thought you were as in you were what? being disingenuous about not being able to play it last week. Yes. Uh, so so fine. Let's start the podcast as it should be started. It's the most rugby time of the year. I can harmonise myself. Some of the references are a few years old. It's yeah. the most professional season we've had. They catch it. Passes be fizzing, back lines they be sizzling, and fly halves be playing gung ho. Men stood drunk and the balls out and stuck in their cars. You like the way I did my own trumpet? It's the most <laughs> time of the year. Wonderful stuff. Lovely. There we go. Uh, of course, it'd have to be updated now because um, the beers aren't being served all the time if you're in Cardiff. What a nonsense. <laughs> so what, what's that uh, going by on? By the way, uh, the beer, so is it right? They're watering down beer and stopping serving at half-time? Something like that, Well, yeah, yeah they've chosen, instead of 5%, 4.1% yeah. from now, the headline that I briefly read and got angry about. Now, rugby paper have already upset me. They upset me a, f- a few weeks ago when they didn't check their stories, like amateurs, about uh, the hashtag Alfie story. And yep. I asked them, have you checked the story? They hadn't checked the story. They basically printed false 
fake news, for want of a better word. And they did so because they weren't very professional. Now, that's one thing. And I can kind of get why you would do that. But they do seem to have it in for uh, Wales. And in particular, they have it in for um, what they call the largest pub in Wales, meaning the Millennium Stadium. Who the hell do they think they are? Like, this is not your... If you don't want to drink, don't go to the stadium. It's not for you. This game isn't for you. Simple as that. I'd I'd say that principle goes across your entire life. That's the solution to anything you think is terrible. If you don't like Joe Rogan's podcast, Uh just don't listen. (laughs) If you don't want to uh, drink lots of uh, beer in a stadium, just don't do it. Yeah, and also, what does watering it down from 5.1 to 4.8 do? Not much, <clears throat> if anything. Well, it will do something. It depends Depends how many you're having. If you have one... I suppose it makes it cheaper for them to wholesale it in. If, if you're having one, it's not going to do very much. If you have ten, there's probably quite a big difference. Let's find out. <laughs> there's one way to find out. <laughs> yeah, how would we, how would we conduct this <laughs> experiment? Well, of course, some people would say well, something had to be done because of what happened to that kid in the autumn. Which, by the way, is quite a funny story, isn't it? I mean, if you don't... Uh, look, it, no, I yes. mean, that is a story he will dine out on in years to come. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was not, yeah. not a nice thing to happen. Yeah, for a while, at least. I mean, it goes one of two ways. If he was the kid that got thrown up on and uh, it made the papers, yeah, that's quite funny. If it turns out, however, he grows up to be the kid that was thrown up on and had beer banned from the Millennium Stadium, he's basically a pariah. <laughs> like, th- this backfires horribly. So I don't, I don't think poison. we should blame the kid. No. I absolutely think we should blame the kid. <laughs> <laughs> Running off, sh- shouting his mouth off to the to the press. Anyway, pe- people are going to do what they want to do, and uh, trying to social engineer a, a, a rugby match day in Cardiff, you you just can't do it. So well, and what try. about the preloading? Like, yeah, if exactly. I thought if I thought someone was going to limit the amount of alcohol that I'd, I, I was going to have, I'd, I'd drink double. Or when I was, just... or when I was sixteen and. We would take our ready-mixed bottles to the park and get smashed and then go and try and get into a pub. Yeah, so they are quite strict with alcohol in the cricket, aren't they? So Obviously, drink responsibly. I'm not advocating what drink, drinking underage. That's just what I did. That's what everybody did. And you'll, yep. well, Anyway. Well, yeah, I, I would take the polar opposite of you. Do what you want. Um, <laughs> so in the cricket, they're very strict about drink. And you can find men in like their 60s who are still obsessed of how they can smuggle alcohol into a cricket ground so you know you've, i've heard of also people like syringing alcohol into uh you know cottons of orange juice or oh there's a whole <laughs> industry of um <coughs> implements which look like uh sun cream bottles oh or, brilliant or, or i don't know all sorts of things but are actually vessels for so do taking you drink do you remember the tv chef valentine warner no, no. He was a, he's a fad for about three seconds about a decade ago. Valentine Warner. He, he looks a lot, a lot like our friend Harry. Not that that means anything to anyone. Okay. And he did a picnic, right, where he basically sliced off the top of the loaf, emptied out the loaf, and then filled it with like little knickknacks. I thought that's how we do it. So you would slice the bottom of your loaf off, and then you would put inside the loaf a container of alcohol, probably very, very. Um, Strong spirits, vodka, something like that, because you want to get the most alcohol in in the least amount of space. You couldn't do it with a keg of beer, but that might that might that might be the way. Hollow, <clears throat> hollow out a loaf of bread and then smuddle that in. And I've I've sussed it, Cardiff. That's right. The inflatable leaks that people oh. take into Cardiff <laughs> and the brilliant. <laughs> I, I, Done. It's not Wales isn't a normal country actually. 
in my opinion, it shouldn't be a country at all. But <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a Welshman yeah. saying that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say that. Phil didn't say that. But no, I would never say that it's basically a large county. Yeah, well, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, so, um, yeah, they like to drink. The rugby culture there is built around drink. It is a working class sport, and they like to drink. And if you limit what they can do inside the stadium, they're just going to drink outside the stadium. You know, so I think it's a nonsense yeah, you're, policy. You're just pushing the problem to yeah. another point, which is actually, it might make the problem in the stadium worse do you if know everyone what is be- preloading before they get to the stadium. Do you know what a far better solution would be? And I'm genuine now. If I wanted to stop people drinking, this is why you know it's disingenuous. If you want to stop people drinking, charge them £10 a pint. Mm. Charge them £20 a pint. You know, if, that's, if that was your actual objective, to stop people drinking, just charge them more. Yeah. Incentives work, or disincentives work in, yeah, in, this, yeah. in this case. And the, the WRU can raise some more money, because God knows it's going to need some. Just on the cricket, mm. so you, you mentioned they're strict with alcohol. They, they are sneaking alcohol in, they're very strict. There's a lovely boozy atmosphere at most cricket grounds, particularly, oh, yeah. particularly if you're in the party stand. Well, that's why they don't want you to uh, sneak in your own beer. Yeah, because they want to sell you £6 pints. Exactly. In plastic glasses. Yeah. With the only exception of, and I've never been... I believe Lords has an exemption on it because the thing with Lords is picnics. So everyone brings a big picnic with them, yeah, with imagine. a couple of bottles of champagne, some pims, maybe some uh, Campari sweet red vermouth and Wonderful. some gin. Did I read a story about a guy getting whizzed out of the member stand in Lords for being sexually inappropriate? <laughs> let's not, let's not go right. before we go down that rabbit hole. Let's get back to the, really the, the rugby on offer. We've got a, the opening weekend of the Six Nations. Oh, which... No, no, no. I, I I think you should look at this story. It's um, a guy who. No, no. It's a guy who who I think he is. I think he made up his own ID, or he imposted his way into the members lounge at Lords because it's one, one of the most ex- exclusive clubs in the UK of any of, of any type, and was only found out because of you know his handsy habits. So yeah, it's like, <laughs> there um, you go. Uh, yeah, I'm, mm. winged out, ashamed. Can I um, can I just say my predictions? If you'd have listened to my predictions last week about the opening weekend of the Six Nations, you would be rolling in cash because I said Scotland by a f- by a few points. I said Ireland by nine, and I said France by a, a truckload. Mm. Nice predictions. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not not. Not the hardest to make. Not, not entirely unpredictable. No. But all the games went along those lines. Yes. Where to start? Where would you gentlemen like to start? Start in, in, in Edinburgh. Okay, if that's where you want to go. Um, yeah. Let's do that. So, in my opinion, probably the most nerve-wracking game of the weekend, because all the other games were... Well, no, definitely the most nerve-wracking game of the weekend, but not the best game of the weekend... For a couple of reasons. One, both teams were, at least at times, um, intent on playing rugby, but were unable to, for two main reasons, they made mistakes, mm-hmm. in which is not unsurprising in the conditions, but also I thought Ben O'Keefe was so whistle-happy. Mm-hmm. At key moments, there was times where there was infringes around the rooks and he kind of let things go. There was other times where both teams got lovely nice front football on a roll and then just pinged for the um, first man on the attacking side clearing out, no jackler, and just going slightly off the feet or not supporting the body weight or supporting the body weight with the hands. 
and three or four times he stopped good attacking moves completely unnecessarily even actually um, Nigel Owens on a couple of occasions mm. <laughs> when Nigel Owens is saying uh, critiquing a referee openly to say ah you could let that go not sure yeah. it had a material effect on the game that yeah, yeah. it definitely didn't in at least really, three in, I don't incidents know, it's not really about having the material it's very rare refs throw each other under the bus it wasn't Very throwing rare. him under the bus, but you could see Nigel would have, and he explicitly said, he would have done something differently. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, if it's not straight in the line out, but no one competed, who cares? Yeah. Who yeah. Cares? It's, As it's in, like and if, if, if no one's competing at a ruck, uh, and you kind of do the ceiling off position, well, What's you might have a, have a word at the next breakdown, just go, look, just be careful of your body position, but let the boys play. Indeed. Yeah, and there was, there was at least two for each team in that regard. That just when you're getting a front foot attacking ball, and when when Scotland got it, they use it far better than England. When England did it, they had a couple of bright moments, but not as many as Scotland. Do you know what I think Scotland are really good at? Uh, defending. Defending, but also, I think they're very good around the ruck. Um, not necessarily defensively, but I think they look after their own ruck ball a lot more efficiently than England do. There were times where England did not, a few moments, and case in point, the very final end of the match when uh, yeah. Darcy Graham can turn over the ball yeah that's a bad sign and it was it yeah. was first phase off a scrum it's not like it was total broken field it was entirely predictable where Elliot Daly would be and Darcy Graham gets in there first and yeah. turns the ball over that's poor from England it is there was a lot of poor stuff from England actually there was there was a lot of endeavor and I can't make up my mind from having watched it whether England were too predictable or whether Scotland were actually just really good in defence. It's probably an element it's, of both. Yeah, and it's. I, I didn't think England had a bad game for about 60 minutes. I think they were on top for about 60 minutes. Yeah. Did, but, you, no, did but, you notice the England back row much, though? Curry uh, worked hard. Simmons carried, Simmons carried well a yeah. few times. But it, the honest answer is not an enormous amount. No, I... I Lud- Ludlam, good endeavour, but again, not hugely influential. But I didn't really notice Hamish Watson. I no, he, but you, I th- Jim Ritchie was, was, very quiet. was very good. Ritchie so, was good. Until he went off. Um, Ferguson was, got one was of the excellent. match, was good. Um, Defensively, Bradbury was decent when he came on. Yeah, the, um, with England, though, I think they were the better team for 60 minutes, but they were they just lacked that clinical edge that Scotland actually did have. And that Scotland took their, the one try beautifully. I mean, in the first half, they were inside England's 22 for seven seconds, basically scoring that try, which was a superb um, razor-sharp move. A couple of other times where Duan and Darcy Graham just cut England to ribbons, and then obviously the penalty try from the double cross-kick, the left cross-kick to um, Duan and the right cross-kick aiming for Darcy Graham that just, in about 15 or 20 seconds, stretched England so much that Luke Cowan-Dickey found himself isolated with no one around him for 30 metres except Darcy Graham and the crossfield kick raining down on him. Mm. On the Luke Cowan-Dickey moment then, he's tweeted his apologies, I've let you down to to the fans and, you know, thanks for the support and we'll we'll get back on it next week. Um, I, I saw quite a few people chucking a kind of like, what an idiot thing, but... I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold it against him or judge him too much for that because well, he, he was a hooker in an yeah. international game, last line of defence on the wing. Yeah, I mean, if he's there, 
there's been multiple system failures. Yes. Before that and, and credit credit to Scotland and particularly Finn Russell who um, masterminded those two crossfield mm. kicks for reacting so quickly and identifying the space. But yeah, you're right. His system's failure to leave him there on his own. Exactly. I I think, from in my mind, definitely a yellow card and a penalty try. Mm. I, I've got no issue with that at yeah. all. So I've been talking about this. Phil came over to watch the France game, and we were discussing the uh, the Cowan Dickey moment. I watched this moment live in the rugby club, but with the sound off. So I was trying to work out what on earth are they revealing. I thought it was a high shot, and because he looked concussed or basically out cold when he hit the ground, because that oh, was a horrible, horrible on his coccyx. Oh. Yeah, I mean, and his head to... hits his knee, basically hits his. He's folded up. Oh. What I assumed is, post incident, the referees have seen a concussed hooker in an aerial contest and went right let's go to the TMO so I'm racking my brain like, like no that can't be and then the yellow card came out I was like that's outrageous <laughs> you, you can't, can't yellow card Darcy Graham yeah and then it completely threw me when Cowan Dickey went off I was like what's he done wrong and then yeah. there's a penalty try I was like oh in commentary they were going oh it's gone forward so yeah it's like actually the fact it's gone forward this picks up on something we got a question no. about last week yeah. <laughs> the fact it went forward or is completely irrelevant, irrelevant. Yeah. and the only thing you could say to Luke Cowan Dickey is if you, if you can get your hands there catch it if you can get your hands there to, in the first place, yeah. Do you think wh- it's just why clumsy swat though? it? But I no, I th- he definitely swats it. There is a, there's a motion for like it. Would, it would, he would. I mean, I think he's given himself a, a potential career change of a volleyball, yeah. volleyball player. G, team GB are looking at him. So I think like this. Like, he does. He did to... well to get up as well. Yeah, yeah. For his big old unit. He got up well. So he swats it forward, doesn't he? And I'm just trying to. I'm trying to just swatting it in. backwards is still penalty. If and he if it goes out, it straight if it out, goes into touch, yeah. straight into touch, yeah. Because Rob Carney's got done for that, yeah, yeah. Um, and penalty try, and yellow carded for it, yeah. So if he swats it back, he's obviously thinking, "I'm not going to be able to get into the in goal area to um, dot it down." You can't swat it out. I don't know what he's thinking. He, he's not thinking. He's found himself. He's not. He's, he's basically yeah. found himself in a position that he's not used to. And he's just thought, or not even thought, he's just instinctively reacted. Yeah. How can I stop this try? Yeah. Exactly. And so, I think the decision was exactly correct. Yellow card and penalty try. I do not blame Luke Cowan Dickey. No, not overly. Agreed. No. And, um, you know, if you want to know why Rippy's so dangerous, look at how he lands, by the way. Oh, you know, I, try and regulate that out of the game. And I, I did see a few people saying, oh, it, a try wasn't certainly going to be scored. Yes, it was. Well, <laughs> two, two points on that. It doesn't have to be certainly. It's just a try is probable. probable. Yeah. yeah. And... If you try and argue that an international winger catching a high ball is not a probable try five yards out, then it's a bad argument. Yeah, yeah. although that, I do not like the argument where the referee says he wasn't in a realistic position to catch. I'm thinking like there are a handful of people who are qualified to make this decision <laughs> if if they are in a you know, reasonable position to catch. And they are all on that field. <laughs> and they're all professional rugby players. Well, just kind of tying that, the two things we've talked about so far in this game together with an email from Jim Stanbury, who got in touch at contacttechasers at gmail.com, says, Hi, boys. Love the pod, blah, blah, blah. Uh, wondering on your thoughts on the commentary in Scot- the Scotland v England game, uh, and with no disrespect, with Nigel Owens. It was a tremendously tense game, unbelievable atmosphere, but at times it felt I was watching a refereeing tutorial I get there are a lot of casual viewers and the BBC probably feel that rugby is complicated and will need some explanation. However, does the casual viewer really care about the hooker's break foot or what felt, uh, or what felt like a 10-minute explanation of what the ref is looking for when officiating the scrum? It's, uh, I found it patronising and dull to listen to. The Six Nations is rugby's biggest shot window. We want to keep people watching 
uh, maybe think about checking out the local club or at least start watching Prem Highlights now it's on terrestrial TV. Mm. Uh, just need to keep it brief. For example, it's illegal to volleyball the ball into touch. Is all viewers <laughs> need. Anyway, rant over. I don't know if I agree with them, is the answer. So because uh, before the BBC, Sky used Nige in the... Oh, right, okay, for Nigel, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, go on. Well, no, what I was going to say on that is, like, we got an email last week, didn't we, about something or other? Well, we brought the break for We got emails about all sorts, but but you mean about the break for axial loading. And this week we got an email about loose head and tighter props, and I think it very much depends on that email there, where he played. So, you know, I would be pretty... Yeah, I don't think I'm going to learn much from Nigel Owens or the commentary team telling me about the break for because I'm fairly familiar with front row play, wouldn't add much value to me. But I think there's an army of people out there who are you'd like, maybe mm. not the ten minute explanation. Well, what I will something. what I will say is Brian Moore explaining the brake foot and axial loading. I think would have made it more confusing <laughs> than uh, than the ignorance of not knowing. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know there is this myth myth in rugby. That, that, that was my take because it was the first scrum. He tried to explain it, and I thought, my God, if you're if you're I vaguely know what you're talking about, but now I'm more confused yeah. than I was before. I can't. And you imagine, played hooker. I can't imagine yeah. what a casual viewer is thinking at this moment. There, there was there was no um, actual loading in Brian's day, though. It, it took three seconds. They would sprint yeah. into forming a scrum. Uh, well, Brian remarkable is, um, to watch. Actually. Brian's on his on, on his way out of the commentary seat setup. That was, for that the was BBC. His, yeah, that was his last. And I was sort of mixed. Like, I, I never like to see anyone lose a job for any reason, actually. But I do think time has moved on. Where that there is. Losing a job and there is a contract coming to an end yeah, and it not yeah, being yeah, renewed, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I guess there is. Because yeah. Jeremy Guscott is in the same situation. And I'm really delighted I don't have to watch him every Six Nations. And it's not because I don't like them as individuals as such. I mean, I, I don't think Brian Moore is nearly the intellect everyone makes out. But I don't feel they put in the hard work around the club. Maybe not Moore, but definitely Guscott around the club game. Like there's no there's no effort. He doesn't seem to know any of the players. He doesn't seem to be able to comment on what they've done in their club week in week out. What the trends are there. You've got to be really switched on. I think if you've got a background in club rugby, not club rugby, but Premiership rugby and league rugby, then you should then be elevated UFC. to the yeah. You should be elevated to um, to international. But you shouldn't just have it because you know I they wheel you out once a year. Yeah, I, I'm I've not been the biggest fan of Gus over the last few years. I think he he comes across as bored and disinterested half the time. Mailing it in. Um, I, there, there is something I do quite like about Brian Moore and Jiffy, though. Just because it is it is like putting on an old, comfy stretch jumper. Like, it's, it's, like the just... two, it's like the two fellas up in the, the Royal Box in the Muppets. Yeah, exactly. They're um, incredibly one-sided most of the time. They're incredibly patriotic. Mm. And... They don't always quite get it right, but it's still quite good fun to For God's sake! He's kicked numbers! it away again! Numbers! <laughs> I like Jiffy, though. I think like, yeah, I, I, like, I quite like the I two of them. He's, he's in, if I was watching them every week, when we were, like three times a week when I watch Premiership, I would th- that would be way, way too much. But like half a dozen games a year, I quite like it. There's a lot of things which I would not want any... I, I don't see the point of a, a licence fee being paid for. But if to have those two as a double act on a red button, I'd be all right. I'd be all right with that. Yeah, I yeah. I think that would provide a, a level of entertainment that I might dip in and out of. If but, only we could have you on a red button to do the post-match interviewing, Tim. Yeah. That, 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 would, that, would be, that would be my personal request. You don't need to comment on, on that. That would lift the uh, calibre a bit, I think. <laughs> Although the yeah. BBC's um, licence fee going on... Um, Gabby Logan, 
and her cane impression. Have you Kane seen that? Cane impression? What's this? What? Kane the, res- the wrestler the, cane. Not, uh, well, I, I'm happy to pay for oh, this. Oh, with the fire. It was magnificent. Oh, that was like Queen of Dragons or something. Yeah. I watched it live. I was like, yeah. no way. Yeah, so it just so happened. So they were testing the pyrotechnics in the stadium yeah. about an hour before kickoff or 45 minutes before kickoff or whatever. Gabby Logan, they just had the shot of, of her side on and at the moment she just gestured with her hand... It appeared that flames just came out of her oh, hand amazing. at the that moment. Was, it was, it was per- you so could not perfect. time it I mean, look, better. That's very nice. That is very nice. I was kind of hoping for something a bit more. I also like, quite like. She actually was yeah. impersonating Kane. No. Uh, that, that, <laughs> or that would be the Undertaker in, uh, yeah. in <laughs> There was a moment as well where the pyrotechnics were behind Sam Orbiton, so it looked like it was he was farting flames. <laughs> so I enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that. Um, what else was I going to say? Right, so we, we mentioned. The referee, and I think the overall performance of Ben Keefe was a little bit stifling, and probably Scotland got the worst of it, actually. I think he got the decision exactly right on the Luke Cowan Dickey. Just the last minute, and I I don't think he cost England the game. I think he was actually harsher overall. He made more decisions in, bad decisions in um, England's favour than against England. So I don't think England can blame him at all for the loss. I do think he bottled the last decision. He'd given away at least three scrum penalties to England I agree. in England's favour. Yeah. The actual the winning three points was given away from a scrum penalty ten minutes earlier. Mm. And there were I think there was four consecutive scrums, at least two of them to my untrained eye. Look and the last uh, the the penultimate one before the ball came out looked definitely like a scrum penalty. The, the Scottish pack just folded. Yeah. And he on every single one of the three or four he refused he bottled it basically refused to give a scrum penalty i think there are there is now a real good argument in scrimmaging to get rid of the driving straight law no one drives straight um you know if the scrum goes back and forward straight that's you know that should be the that should be the standard but i don't think there should be a law anymore saying that tight loose heads can't if you want boring i just don't i think you just have to deal deal with it it'd probably be a much better thing because on that last scrum penalty that never was, there was a lot of people arguing, well, Joe Marler's illegal anyway. Look at the angle that he's coming in at. It just doesn't really matter. It just doesn't matter. Like, the physics of a scrum means you almost always bore in anyway. I mean, that's very hard to push. It's very hard to push on one shoulder only. Just think about that. If you well, were... well, there's 16 people involved and the, the physics of it yeah. is, is constantly so changing. So messy, yeah. It's hard to... Sometimes uh, people saying Joe Marler was doing this, well, that might have been... That might have been in a, a microsecond reaction to what yeah. someone else is doing. But but I think the point is, and this is what I was thinking as I was watching it, it's like, if this was in Twickenham, he'd have given every one of those. Yeah, I think you're right. Because they're dominant, uh, they, Yeah, they? They're England dominant. Were dominant in that. They've been dominant in the scrum for most of the game. Yep. There was only three in the first half, I think. Um, but they, got, they might have got two penalties from Though those three. I did three. see one Scottish scrum, which was very good. Yeah, so that was when uh, LCD was in the bin. And ah, Scotland yeah, had yeah. a scrum. So England only put seven men in the scrum. Scotland had a very dominant scrum, five metres out. And that's when they took the three points immediately that was the winning three points. Got it. And he was very... Ben O'Keefe was very happy. It was, it was rightly a Scotland penalty. And he was very happy to give it at that stage, 10 minutes from the end of the game, rather than right at the end, which did seem 
it did seem like he bottled it yeah. on that. But, and, 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 what I, would the penalty I, do? It basically allowed them to go into the corner and drive with it. Well, take, take the three. It was a kickable penalty. Yeah. Ten, ten yards outside the 22. Well, well, or go into the corner. Well, on that... Hang on, what was the end score? Sorry, I'm... Uh, 2017. So, yes. So it would have been a tie. It would have been a draw. Yes. They had an opportunity to potentially kick for a tie a few minutes previous to that. That was more difficult. Ma- it was significantly it was... more difficult. But, it, but But I was thinking at the time... Oh, this is 2015 again. Yeah, like, I know. Go, I was go a- for the points. <clears throat> this is international rugby. Yeah. I was also thinking Henry Slade, because George Ford with a right foot kicked to the right-hand touchline. That's a great point. And he, got, he only got about 10, 15 metres. Why did they not think that? And Henry Slade had kicked with his left foot earlier in the game as well. So uh, that didn't make sense to me at all. I didn't even clock that. Yeah, it's, right. uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. But I would, I would, I would have had, a, I would not have complained going for three because the worst case scenario is Scotland have got to run it out from their own line. Or yeah, and there was actually at that point when they had the other three, there was uh, I think three minutes left on the clock, mm. so you did have time, time for another shot. And actually, England, I think they lost that line out as well. They kicked to the side and yeah, lost did. the line out, Stop, got, and, and then yeah. and then uh, he got knocked on by. Um, Scotland, which led to the scrum, scrum, scrum. Elliot Daly turned over by Darcy Graham. Let's yeah. talk about England's team selection. Any well, well, just, brief, just briefly, uh, a bit of Eddie Jones, just to tie up the, the referee. He, he was asked a lot in post-match about the referee. <laughs> he was. And he did not answer any of it. He just said, oh, mate, you're going to have to wait for the video. I'm going to do a resi video. Resi-style video. Keep an eye, keep in, an eye out. In the... 90 second interview post match he, he basically didn't answer he just said we're happy with the way the referee played he's like we're not not didn't get sucked into it at all the yeah, re- it's the referee's decision we stand by the referee's decision the referee they're in charge blah 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 happy which, happy happy which i have to say is a consequence of players and coaches starting to feel like the 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 press and interviewers are there to just chuck banana skins to make headlines yeah i agree with that and I, I meant to say it before, because I feel like I've been a little bit critical of Ben O'Keefe in this. Ben O'Keefe was the referee for the seconds Lions test. Mm. He refereed in probably the hardest game for a referee ever to referee in. Yeah, you're right. Five days after the Razzie video was leaked. So I'm not surprised he was cautious. And there was a time where he called the video referee to check whether Joe Marchant had knocked it on or uh, Ferguson had knocked uh, knocked it into touch which I don't really think that's what the video referee should be used for mm. but I think you can draw a straight line from the Razzie video to him being nervous around big calls like that because that was a that's consequential call in- interesting yeah. So, so yeah so actions have consequences and yeah so, long term consequences and one, of, yeah. and one of the consequences is you're going to get players and coaches uh, yeah stonewalling you with any question and refusing to give an opinion because they're just they just get hammered in the media when they do give an opinion yes England's team selection I'll let you guys talk about it so happy um, happy with the pack yeah no no real surprises there Um, gone for an athletic pack in difficult conditions but other than the other than a few knock-ons which happens um, and the Ezekiel being out of position for the, the first try I thought the pack played pretty well overall. Backline, I was quite happy with it before the game. After the game, and this is, this is something I've mentioned a few times, and Eddie's mentioned a few times in his press conferences, it's clear to me, clear as day to me, that he is picking multi-positional players. Yeah. So he's picked Slade at 12, who's a 13, but can play 12, can play 10, and we saw him in the autumn sitting at 15, even though he was not wearing the 15 shirt. 
We've got Elliot Daly, who can play 11, 13, 11 13, 13, 14, 14 15. 15. Freddie Stewart can cover the back three. Um, Marchant is 13, 13 11, or wing. 14, yeah. And Max Mallins, who can kind of play... Anywhere. Yeah, any, t- ten, 10 out, pretty much, he, he could play. And while there's positives in some scenarios like that, I just thought that England's, England's backs were... Well, really, they were totally outshone by Darcy Graham and Duan Van who were... They are specialist wingers. They are unique specialist wingers. They are... I was trying to think the last time that you've had a kind of little-on-large combination like that. And I reckon Julian Surveyor and uh, Nehi Milner-Scudder in the 2015 World Great Cup shout. would be... Who was, who was with Shane, Shane Williams and George North? Were they on the same team? They must have Probably, been. Probably, yeah, yeah, right at the end of the yeah, right at the end of Shane Williams' career, very early in George um, North's career. Yeah, that's that's a great shout. I wonder if like there's, I'm sure that there'll have been like a Keith Earls, Shane Horgan mix at some point. Yeah, it must have been. Probably, but, yeah, probably a little bit of overlap Jeff, there. Uh, Jeff Wilson, uh, Lomu. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you count do you count Joe Roth as a big big winger. Mind you, both the Australian wingers back in the day were fairly big. Depends who was playing Joe Roth and what Takiri Sailor. Well, hang on, that sailor's a bit after Joe Roth. Joe Roth, Ben Tune, something, something like that. But Ben Tune was a big athletic bloke too. Yeah, so. but you're right. That that combo is classic. It doesn't, yeah, but it doesn't happen very often. And I totally agree with you. I was we we were both picking Max Malins in our at, yeah, yeah. at wing in our team that we wanted. Yeah, uh, we got that. I'm not sure to not out and out wingers is is the way well, to go what, you've got wouldn't you know you've got four players that are kind of played out of position in the two centers because Slade is not a 12 mm-hmm. daily can can play he can play 13 11 as we just said across the back line but he's not really a specialist 13 he's not played an enormous amount certainly for England in that position Marchant plays wing but he's more of a 13 like, so why not just swap Marchant and daily I mean all could the, do all well your problems are solved I think because we didn't see that much of it in this game just because there was not that much cohesion, mm. um, as I mentioned before, partly because of England errors, partly because of refereeing. But I think that was the ambition. And in, mm. the, in the autumn, you saw that man who played on the wing but coming through the middle, Slade wearing 13 but sitting in the pocket, or sitting in, in the 15. Smith 10 being 12. 10 but actually getting the ball, but Farrell Se- being first refi- receiver see, and feeding Smith. Exactly. All of those things. And we just didn't really get the opportunity. I think they were... That was how they wanted to play. They just rarely got the they opportunity had to do ball, it. Had though. They did. And interesting in the first half, both teams took a bit of a weird tactic with the kicking because England a lot of time put little grubber kicks through in that first half to try and get, um, I think, Duan turning and going back. And he actually generally did very well with it. Um, Scotland kicked a lot in that first half and it always kicked to keep the ball in play. Which is actually a little bit insulting to the running to what they think of the running ability of England's back three, and they shut them down. They shut them down pretty much every time. I think you've got Elliot and say Watson back there. You probably show them a bit more respect. Yeah, I don't think Malins for all the great things he does, it doesn't scare. Well, I'd, I'd say he was the one. Hand. He's the one member of that back three that does return the ball well. He did. He retu- does, yeah, he does. He returned it well. He made a lot of meters. He's not I don't Dorsey think, Graham, is he? I don't think he beat many defenders. No, that's fair. He's not Dorsey I, Graham, he's not I was, John Van der Merwe. Yeah. As I was watching it, I was actually thinking, I want um, I want Simmons dropping back, receiving those balls. Because I think he's a bit more explosive beating those first men. 
Yeah, you don't want to ha- be... Having yeah. him as, an, as at least as an option to stretch the defence out... And using, they, him in, using him, Al Saracens used to use scout Brits. Brits. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly that. So, yeah, just on the wings, talking about the Scotland wings now, everybody talks about how brilliant, rightly so, Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg are. You look at that performance, I think you've got to start mentioning Darcy Graham in this category of just phenomenal, phenomenal world talents. He was, he was, he had a great game. The way he, he was lovely. Turns people inside out. Great yeah. I mean, do and I'm still not sold on, despite him starting a Lions Test and. Except, yes. Did he start all three? Certainly two. He was really good yesterday. He was. He was. Wasn't he? he was great. I just he, assumed he was so p- dangerous. I just assumed he was PS beast on the wing, and it was more. Yeah, he's massive and he should be good. I hope this is he's the game. elusive. He's much more elusive than PSP. And I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you can you, so sometimes you could never find PSP on, uh, <laughs> on the field. He was so elusive. He's such a dangerous runner. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Scotland. A new, Scotland have got have, they've got lots of lines across that team. They've got lots of experience. They've got such good cohesion. It's such a set up, such a nicely settled. Team. Thirteen of the fifteen players that started in Paris. At the end of last year's tournament, the rearrange in the postponed fixture started mm. in Edinburgh, and that says a lot. Whereas England were much changed, partly yeah. enforced, partly as part of the evolution of the team. I'm a little bit worried. At, well, there's a lot of people, and as, as as I quite often say, it's not about just chucking the kids in. And there is a, there is a little <laughs> sense that he, uh, Eddie keeps talking about, oh, it, it's a, it's good experience for my young team and stuff, and oh, the young team did well. Yeah. Like, mate, they're not that young. Oh, a World Cups, eighteen months away. Eighteen months away. Yeah, yeah. A th- an amazing thirty-two-year-old or something. And this is where we get back to Joe Launchbury and George Cruz, yeah. obviously unavailable to Eddie at this moment in time. Joe, you Joe Launchbury, you think will come back in? But that's a thirty-two-year-old, thirty-three, thirty-four, even-year-old now. Can give you eighteen good months. I don't. Oh. I don't care as long as they're the best player in their position. I don't give a damn. This yeah. team is crying out for Launchbury and Cruz. Cruz, one yeah. of those two, or maybe both. Both of them and Laws. Yeah, you know, they, they, Laws. Laws would have been great. Crikey! So the way I look at this pack, lightweight second rows and short and short back rows, and you're going to struggle with that. The, the lineup was lineup was very good, generally with the, good, yeah. with the exception of one pressure throw towards the end. The scrum was generally good. Um, England, England were the better team for 60 minutes, but they were just nowhere near clinical enough, and they made some bad yeah. decisions with kicking. They need to be dominant. I yeah. think you know, to uh, win a World Cup, they need to be absolutely dominant. Here's here's another thing actually that frustrated me, Marcus. And I watched the game too. I watched it, and then I rewatched it last night. I was Marcus Smith was incredibly quiet. He took his try brilliantly. He was incredibly quiet, and part of that is because Scotland managed him very well. Back row got off the line. Um, and put a lot of pressure on him. I think part of it has got to come down to Ben Youngs and his passing. Mm-hmm. And some of the passing not accurate enough. Some of the passing he takes two or three steps to put him under pressure. Give Marcus Smith time on the ball. Don't give him man and ball as frequently as they did. Yeah, I mean, which is like, so frustrating. Again, I'll, I'll, he's not much James, is he? I'll be sick and, <laughs> sick and tired of repeating myself. So I'll just say it once. Is Danny Kerr not the best performing English scrum half? I, I, I don't God, get it. Yeah. I don't yeah. get it. Well, yeah. him and Raffi, I think. Watching but, Raffi today was superb. Raff, Raffi looks brilliant. He's, I, I think consistently for probably probably the last three years, Danny Kerr has been the, the number one. And again, the World Cup is 18 months away. There is. Anyway. I think there's something about England as well. But that said, it's funny how we flip-flop because Ben Youngs has been great. He was, he was exceptional in the autumn. But isn't, isn't this what we've always said? 
Like, he one has, game on, two games off. Yeah, I think my ratio is slightly, we, yeah, slightly more skewed play, than that. Yeah, if we play Australia every game, get Ben Youngs in. Because whenever we remember, we used to do the little crossover pods with green and gold. Are they still yeah. going? I'll have to check them out. Don't think so. Oh, that's mm. a bit. Well, I saw them tweet that they were going to wrap it up, but then I've oh. seen them do things sub- subsequent to that. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully, green and gold are still going, and and if they are, we'll have to do some crossover pods at some point. But when we used to. They they could never understand our, our criticism of Ben Youngs because whenever they saw him, <laughs> he was awesome, yeah. best, best in the world. Every time they, every time he plays them, uh, well, Premiership watchers probably would not pick Ben Youngs. I don't think. I mean, I I personally think when I've watched Leicester this season, um, they've consistently played better when Wigglesworth is starting rather than Ben Youngs. Now he has had a few good games and he has some great moments, but yeah. I, I would not. But I said this. I've said this for years and years and years and years. England seemed confused to me. Right. So let's just rewind this to the Stuart Lancaster days. So Stuart Lancaster, I think, rightly identified something, but he was wrong, which was England need loads of caps in different positions. You see it with Wales, don't you? Now they've stripped away all their caps. They're, they're rubbish. And look at Scotland. Like Scotland have got a couple of lads there that. England could have had. England could have. Chris Harris would be delighted to be English. Mm. I think Ben White would be delighted to be English. I think. Well, Ben, ben White, captain England under the 20s. Yeah. These boys could not, you know, that's what they've always desired to be. But, you know, the way things are, they've now gone to. to, to, mm. to WP nil. He would never turn his back <laughs> on Scotland. That's so true. And uh, Pierre Schumann, of course. Yeah. Pierre Schumann. <laughs> so, because, and I spoke about this last week, Scotland have time to work with these guys and make them into internationals. They give them their caps and they sort of climb the ranks and then they become starting lions like Chris Harris. Chris Harris. Which yeah, is yeah. just an incredible story. And he should be playing for England by all rights, but he's not because England didn't give him the chance to develop. So Stuart Lancaster rightly, rightly saw this and said, right, we're going to uh, make sure that all the players have loads of time to develop and we'll carry on picking Brad Barrett, we're going to carry on picking all of these people and it's going to be great. The problem he had, which he did not foresee, is that if you have a consistent team selection and you're not winning or you're not that good, then the press will get on your back. And, you know, instead of being bad because you're rotating the team all the time, you're bad because you've got this constant barracking all the time. And I'm as bad as anyone for it. If you don't perform in an England shirt, get out. You know, get just, Don Armand in. Get Don Armand in. That's, that's exactly right. Now, England have gone and, take, gone and taken this a step further because their coaching setup is in a constant state of flux. And I wonder if they would really benefit from the foresight that Scotland have shown, or indeed Wales showed under Gatland, which is the consistency of coaching and systems for four or five years. But I think Eddie actually likes this constant chaos. He thinks it gets the best out of the players, and it might. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't it, know what it's like to coach at, 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 at that level. But it seems to be... In my mind, it makes more sense to have a consistent coach for four years. And I don't mean the head man, because Eddie does not do that much co- coaching. I mean, all of his assistants. That's what I would say. He, he did. Have, he had one in John Mitchell. Yeah. And he pushed him to, right, from reading the um, kind of interview with John Mitchell shortly after that. He pushed him to breaking point and, and beyond breaking point, And that's when John Mitchell walked out. Yep. But he, he was that one element of consistency for years and years and years. And I, I always enjoy it. I, I always watch the um, Oto Inside Line, the um, little YouTube things that England do. And the, the boys seem to love him. He's an awesome thing that you'd see every week. He would put on 
the of the shirt of the opponents. He's fifty years old, but he's still a bloody big bloke. Yeah, and he, they'd let the put, run into the forwards, and they just nail him. So I've got a pretty dim view of John Mitchell because of no, oh, because of the experience at Sale and people who worked for him. Just you know, they don't speak highly of him at all. That said, I've also heard that he's a completely reinvented man who's into mindfulness and meditation and just chilled out completely now and, and gets it. I'd love to know which one of those versions of the story is true. Maybe they're both true. But, yeah, probably a bit of both. But I, yeah. all the, I think, from what I'd seen, I think he did very well mm. in that England setup. What have we got now? We've got uh, Martin Gleeson, who's now run, running the attack. Yeah, which I, I, I've, I've seen some good things. Yeah, I have seen some good things. In yeah. autumn. Yeah, but yeah, they had Gleeson... Before no, they have Gleason. Before that, it was Amor. Before that, it was yeah. Wisemantle. Before oh, that, yeah, it was... no, no. Take who, your point. Who was the other one? Oh, there's been oh, a bunch. Yeah, did they, they, tra- did, they did show um, on BBC. They showed a, the little all the different coaches in the different positions. Did they? And it was it was about five coaches in every single position over the what said he'd been in now this six year, yeah, 2016 to 2022. So it's an interesting strategy, and I'm not saying it doesn't work. But I also think, mm, don't know, uh, we have got examples of it, of the opposite working in much smaller nations. Mm. I'm not going to get carried away with this result. I predicted a Scotland win, and I think it would be disrespectful to Scotland for the reactionary, to be reactionary against England, because... Which of the kids would you throw in now to write the ship? (laughs) All of them. All of the kids. I'd throw in the, I'd throw in the best players in their position. So I'd I'd put Danny, I'd bring Danny Kerr into the squad. Reed. Um, uh, so well, it's all the stuff we talked about last week. Unbelievably, an England squad is looking threadbare at lock and, yeah. and threadbare at centre. Yeah, man who's fit and playing again, and so that that old gravy tw- train might start again. Played twenty minutes. Charlie yeah. Yules, great, great hit on Esther Hazen. Yeah, Charlie Yules is on the bench. Hang on, hang on a minute. My ultimate rugby app says Charlie Yules is one hundred and five kilograms. No, he's not. He's definitely not. He's a tight head eight. He's definitely not 105 he's def- kg. De- definitely not. I it's easy to be 105 kilograms when you're six foot six. No, no, he'll be like... Too light. Yeah, yeah he'll saying. be like 115. Oh, good. I thought you yeah, were he, saying... Yeah. He, he's not going to be 105 kg. No. He will be heavier than that. There's yeah. no way. There's no way. Um, yeah. I, he, I, I don't know. If he was totally lean, maybe between 105 and 110. There is no, there is no space on the international field for a 105 lock. No chance. It's just it shouldn't. It should be illegal, <laughs> like for, for safety reasons. Um, I tell you who I'd so within the squad, it's difficult. But I'd I'd have Barbary on the bench. So Laws being back would be brilliant. I'd love to see Barbary on the bench, and probably even a six-two split on the bench. I'd I'd like to see Ollie Hassel Collins because I think that back line was a bit lightweight. With Slade and Daly and Marchant and Malins, they are all a bit lightweight. And he's Oli- a big, strong boy. He is. He's a BSB. Mm-hmm. Get, BSB, I like that. Get <laughs> Ollie Hassel Collins in. Yeah. Uh, and Jack, I, Jack Noel could have done with coming on earlier as well. There's no one in this pack I particularly blame for anything. But I think as a. No, they worked hard. Combination, it doesn't work for me. So obviously, Mario stays. Obviously, I mean, Tom Curry obviously stays. The rest. They're going to need to re- really relook at this. You need some bigger bodies in there. Nick Azikwe. Well, as we said, the line-out wasn't a problem. Bodies, mate. You need you need, car- you need bigger bigger blokes. They did have a couple of driving malls 
not far from the Scotland line and were disrupted yeah. at least but, twice. But in terms of ball carrying, Tom Curry has developed that. Yep, Tom Curry's great. Um, Tom Curry's a great Sam carrier. Simmons was great, so I don't care that yeah. he's short. He's like who? Who the hell would want to tackle Sam Simmons running full you ju- full pelt? Not, not Ali Ludlum Price. Ludlum, Ludlum yeah, not Ali Price. Yeah, Ludlum and Azikwe. You could move Azikwe to six. I'd be happy with that, and then get a big, big boy in the second row, or you remove them both and just replace them with Laws and a big boy. That's that would be my solution. BSBs. Yeah, but I don't know who that is. Yeah. Well, anyway, well it's done, Scotland. No one who plays for Bath should be allowed to play for England <laughs> and, until things improve. Well done to Scotland. I'll tell you who. Speaking of big, strong boys, uh, Pierre Schumann. God, he's a unique-looking man. Yes. He is, isn't he? He's he an is. incredible wow. specimen. I'll tell you who's a. Uh, well, porridge jokes growing up. Big, yeah. big, strong boy, and I. Um, so, I'm sure the last time I saw him play properly, he was running in a 50 meter try. Um, he came off the bench in the Ireland Wales match. His shoulders looked absolutely enormous. Ryan Baird, twenty-two year old, twenty-two year old Leinster lock slash back row, I think. Yeah, um, he S- looked swimmers like a shoulder. Uh, sorry, swimmers like a, shoulders like a, like a swimmer. He, like shoulders, shoulders, like a um, world's strongest man competitor. He looks absolutely enormous. Well, I think I saw him first when he was like nineteen, and he's a he was, he was, li- he was lithe. Yeah, now yeah, he, yeah, he might look more like a four hundred meter runner three years ago. He looks absolutely enormous. Well done to Scotland. Agreed. Agreed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, here's something fun. Uh, Island beat... Wales by 27 points to 7. Uh, 29 points to 7. I'll tell you what. 29.7. Uh, I think I, it's the end of the world for Wales, isn't it? Well, I, I was watching this game uh, <laughs> three minutes before uh, full-time, or whatever it was, five minutes before full-time, thinking that Wales were lucky to be 29 nil down. Mm-hmm. Wales were... There was some endeavour in defence. <sighs> not a lot else. Yeah. <laughs> there were some very funny tweets midweek about how... Uh, Josh Adams is a world class defender and will not be a will not be a problem at thirteen. Hmm. I'll have to relook at that one. I think it well, feels it, like it kind of worked for George North. He, he would have been going. He George, would have been on the Lions tour as a thirteen. Did it work for George North though? He would have been think, on the Lions tour as a thirteen. He had, he had a great season. He did 13. it well. I, I I really think he did. So you, it's very difficult to say that you fluked the Six Nations. I still kind of think that Wales did fluke a Six Nations uh, championship. Well, this is it. This is what happens to Wales when a player doesn't when a, when a player doesn't get sent off. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe that's. Uh, I don't. It, it's bad. Okay, it's bad for a lot of reasons. It's not a particularly good team. This. Uh, it's certainly a bit weak up front. So there's you know, maybe a, one or two world class players there. Yeah. And what worries me about Wales is they have spent a lot of money trying to get players back into Wales on these so-called market rate contracts, destroying careers in the process of doing so. I don't see where the next lot of players come from, because if you're spending all of your money getting Welsh talent back from England, it tells me that you're not producing enough talent through your regional system. The regional teams are garbage, and I'd probably say with the exception of Cardiff, who look quite strong when they put everyone out. They beat Toulouse 28-0. Yeah, exactly right. Nil. They nil Toulouse, Toulouse. which is quite incredible. Um... And I can't see, until the regional game improves, and the regional game has been bad in Wales for a long time, but I think this time it's terminal. Unless that improves and unless the players start coming through the system, <coughs> it's going to be difficult. And then you scratch away from the regional system. Well, how is the club game looking in Wales? And I can tell you, it's not looking great. It really isn't. Uh, rugby up and down the country has got a bit of an issue. And I think it's only a matter of time until... I mean, if all the countries simultaneously decline... Shouldn't really matter too much because you know the relative decline won't won't be too bad, and I think this is coming for England at some point as well, actually. But you know the Welsh school system is not pr- uh, providing lads like they used to. The Welsh club system isn't providing lads like they used to. Participation's down. Clubs are not functioning as well. The Welsh government is doing everything it can to destroy basically sporting and social life. You know, you add all these things together, it's very very bleak. So you mentioned fluking the Six Nations or not fluking the Six Nations. Last year. The Jam Slam. Jam Slam. Yeah. Um, I think, so if you look at the number of players, the number of world-class and incredibly experienced players who were playing last year who are unavailable right now, so Ken Owens, Alan jones a back row of Navidi, Tipperick and Falatau, Jonathan Davis and George North were playing in the centres last year. There's lots and lots of enormously experienced and talented players who are missing, who played last year, are missing this year. But all this has actually done is accelerated the decline. Because all those players are, in three years, after the next World Cup, those players won't be around. Or or 80% of those players won't be around. So you've just accelerated um, the death of the golden generation in Wales. And they are heavily going to pay the price for it in this, this year's so, tournament. This is so grim to look at. I mean, two, two of the players that Wales have got arguably aren't really that Welsh in Thomas Francis and Will Rowlands. They're paying through the nose to get them back back into regional rugby. They don't even play regional rugby, to to, to, to be fair. Adam Beard is probably, you know, out of the tight forwards. That's the one that I'm most... And actually, Wynne Jones is class. Wynne Jones, Wynne is, Jones class. is class. I, I, th- I do love Adam Beard. But they can't do it on their own. Yeah. And Wainwright's a great player. Jenkins is a good, is a great player. Basham's an impressive young man, very good player. But they need more experience. They need more experience playing at this level. But where, and, and they need the, the leaders around them. So my theory, sorry, Tim. No, uh, I was going to say there's a there's a compounding factor on the way that the domestic competition they have operates because there was one stat I can't remember who I was chatting to, um, but Brian O'Driscoll, in his final in, in the last five years he was with Leinster didn't play a single away game. Oh, Johnny Sexton. Really? In, in Johnny the Pro Sexton 14. will be very similar. Johnny Sexton will be very similar, which means, you know, how do you sell, oh, Leinster are coming to Cardiff, that should be a massive occasion. Let's look at the team. Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. No one knows yeah. any of the players. 
Well, yeah, but so, I, and Leicester kids are still going to roll over Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. So with, with, <laughs> with a load of eighteen-year-olds. Yeah, let's just look at the. So my theory on this was maybe Wales, you know, are a bit fluky again. You know, the, the Irish haven't had much high-level, in, uh, high-intensity rugby, and I thought, yeah, you know, that's kind of what I thought. That, that was a narrative that I weaved in my mind, and it was complete, completely wrong. Now, just look at some of these guys in the Welsh team, right? When was the last high-intensity match? That Ryan Elias would have had. He plays for Scarlets. So, you know, with the Irish boys getting rested, I do criticise that. I criticise it all the time. But you can say, look, the Munster lads are playing ferociously high-level rugby when they're in the European Cup. Leinster will probably win a, a European Cup again in the very near future. You know, they are playing really high-level rugby in high, you know, in high-performance environments. You can't say this about any of the Welsh lads. And the ones that do go and win things, like Thomas Francis, you know, no, you can't say there. You know, come and play for us. So they'll do the same, I think, to um, the boys in Bristol. Shudy, Yon uh, Lloyd. Shudy, Yon Lloyd, Yon Lloyd's brother. And they've got a Rees bevy. Oh. Yeah, Rees Abbott. You know, he's currently flying high in the Premiership. Well, you can come and play on the Dragons. Um, and then you've got the lads in Exeter. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to the Premiership clubs now. Not because... Um, well, yeah, basically because that's the only place you can get good rugby. That's it. So we've we've laboured Wales. Let's talk about Ireland. Oh, for a bit. My, that first twenty minutes, they were they picked up where they left off in the autumn. Yeah. Man, they, they were good. They really did. And, and actually, the first half of this game reminded me of the All Blacks game, where Ireland were by far the better team in both All Blacks game first half, particularly. Well, no both parts of the All Blacks game and this game. But first half, they were by far the better team, but in both games they left points on the field. Ireland could have been 28-0 up at, at half-time. Similar with the All Blacks. The difference is, I was expecting the All Blacks to come back stronger than they did, but Ireland got stronger in that game. In this game, you knew that Ireland were going to go from strength to strength, and it was 10-0 at half-time. It could have been 28 then. And it, arguably, Ireland could have scored... 40 or 50 points in this game. They were, yeah. they were that much better than Wales. And on the Ireland team, there were some awesome performances. The front row were absolutely class. Two second rows, brilliant. I thought Van der Fleer was everywhere. I, th- I thought he was hard done by not to get man of the match. Mac Hansen comes from nowhere, takes poor Robbie Balakins. Uh, have you seen Mac Hansen play, JB? No, don't know who the... I was literally... Well, I just had to look him up. I had no idea who this kid is. Um, he doesn't look like a rugby player, but yeah, he, he does play he, like one. He, um, <laughs> he, he played well. I thought Van der Flee was um, unlucky not to get man of the match. I thought Ringrose was unlucky not to get man of the match. Yeah, I th- there might have but, been. I, I do sometimes wonder, and I'm the person that often interviews man of the matches, I do sometimes wonder if the story... That in this case, get, 100%. If the story trumps the, uh, the, the actuality, because... Uh, to, to make sure you have the you chat with someone who's got a great story. To Hang tell. on, yeah. So and on t- debut, what is the story of Mac Hansen? I know he's Australian. He's on debut. A few years ago, he was working in a bar, and one cocktail of the, bar, cocktail bar. One of the one of the um, Connacht coaches. Up. Sounds like the start of that human league song. Yeah. He was working. <laughs> <as a>, um, <laughs> basically, said, "Fancy playing a bit of rugby in, on the west coast of Ireland? Play a bit of footy, mate. You don't play a bit of footy, buddy." Why, about did, there? Why, why did no one ask me when I was working in a in bar, bar. <laughs> when I was 19? Do you want to, do you want to play a bit of professional rugby? Yeah, he has five caps for Australia under 20. 
Ah. He was a rugby league player. Was he wearing his cap? Oh, no, no, no. He was a rugby U player. U- oh, there was a rugby union team. I just assumed Cam- Canberra, Canberra Vikings. Vikings. I assumed that. was rugby league. Yeah. And, and, uh, Canberra so- Readers is the... Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. Canberra, Canberra Vikings. Uh, that, uh, now, that needs to change. Vikings... That is offensive. I'm offended by that. Oh my god, that's, Vikings, that's disgusting. Vikings s- s- plundered, <laughs> um, well, killed. I mean, well, the, the native population of the UK. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I'm, I am offended. Racist, any uh, ra- uh, racism anywhere is racism everywhere. Canberra, as far as for, I'm Canberra for change. Exactly. Anyway, uh, then he joined the Brumbies. He only played 21 games for the Brumbies, and like you say, want to come play a bit of footy in Ireland, mate? Yeah, why not? Why not? So yeah, cool. So I assume it's, yeah. a, uh, like it's a grandparent, is it? Uh, I yeah. think so. Mac. It's, it's it's devastating that um, Robbie Balakoon wasn't picked ahead of him, who had an amazing game this weekend. Yeah, if you've seen his try, his first try. Where did you score these tries? UFC. Uh, UFC. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't see him. If you saw his first try uh, against Connacht, he was lightning, absolute lightning. Checks out, your story checks out. Um, anyway, hard done by it, but Hansen did have a good game. Conway finished his tries very How well. How Hume from g- getting an island call-up? Uh, he played 18 minutes of this game. He, I was, thought he was on the bench. He played 18 Oh, minutes. 18! He came on for Conway. Ah, as you yeah, said, I didn't see this game, I was actually playing. That's what I would be, uh, this is what I would be so excited about if I was an island fan, that they can legitimately bask in the glow of a wonderful performance and think, we can get so much better than that. They can get better. Although they did, a lot of things worked out for them. I thought Sexton played brilliantly. He mm. had an absolute class game. And I know we've seen it a million times before, but it seemed to get better in this game Bloody because hell. because of um, Bundyaki's kind of foil with the one-two. Bundyaki, he looks to crash it up and then out the back to the Sexton run around with options of... Ringrose or Keenan or Conway um, or Mac Hansen coming outside him. Ireland were every single man. I think was better than his opposite number in Wales. Just looking at by a bit of a distance. O'Morney, Murray, Carberry, Hume, Jesus. And it's a it's a nice Keen Healy, nice mix of experience. Like some of the older heads, like Murray and O'Morney and Healy, and some of the younger guys like Baird, like Hume. Um, someone like Carberry, who's mm. a bit of both. Uh, one area for significant improvement: Andy Farrell, get back in your black suit and your black tie. Mm. No, he didn't. He didn't. You wore, tra- wore a tracksuit. Yeah. No, wear your suit and tie, mate. He, exactly. He, he looks match incredible. Day. Match day. Another area for improvement: um, when Porter and Finley Beelham were playing towards the end of the game. That has to be the worst prop haircut combination <laughs> I've ever, ever seen. It is dreadful. Beelum with his blondie um, cornrows. There's no other way of describing him. I mean, he's, they're he's, ludicrous. Some would argue that is cultural appropriation. I wouldn't, but some would. It, uh, Everything is racist until they have control of it, Tim. Just remember that. It's ridiculous. Now, Finley Beelham had... That is... It, it was. You're right. That, it was ludicrous. It was ludicrous. But if they play like that, they can do whatever they want. Finley Beelham had one of the most horrible injuries at Cell Shocks. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it was... Do the do the Vulcan salute is the best way to describe it. Like that? That's that. the one. So yeah. how would you describe that for me, Tim? Uh, your first and second finger spread... 
so that you form a V with the third and fourth finger as the other bit of a V. Yeah, I mean, maybe you've Brian Maud that one. I might have Brian but, um... Maud that. <laughs> I, 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 do, do it simpler then. Uh, I don't know. That's right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you do it. Yeah, go on then. I thought that was quite good. Uh, make a V with your fingers, I guess. With your first and second yeah, okay. yeah. fingers and third and fourth fingers. It's just not... Okay. See, I actually think I did a decent yeah, job. Yeah, 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 I agree, Tim. So anyway, <laughs> here's the point. Uh, it either... It, his injury is either splitting down oh. this way or sort of going through the webbing of, of, oh, of the middle there. Oh, God. And he, you know, every professional rugby player is a brave man tolerant to a lot of pain. And I think he was throwing up coming off the field. Oh. And I was in the, I was in the tunnel at the time. Obviously, this is pre pre COVID, and like there was a dread that this man is going to come in because I I hate anything yeah like that. squeamish. And they've got a towel over it. I'm sure the towel was. Oh. I, I'm sure the towel was covered. I'm sure it's co- covered in blood. I'm not surprised if you split there. You've got a lot of. That's um, like, so the cameras couldn't see it. Uh, that was, that will was... not heal for a long time as well. well thankfully, Ooh. he is healed and playing for the island. But God, you can imagine it. Yeah, and it was ugh, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. Um, shall we touch on? So we mentioned Josh Adams before. I I thought early on he he looked okay. A couple of nice passes. I think he made two very odd and very bad decisions. Mm. Um, one for Conway. Uh, no, Conway. Yeah, Conway's first try, where. He just kind of held off Conway with three men inside him. Five, not even held off. He backed off Conway yeah. five yards from his Odd. own line with he three men have, inside him. He might just not realise where he was. That's the only thing I can think of, really. Yeah, I mean that's his job to know he's defending his own line. <laughs> yeah. I, I can, Great point. I can, yeah, I can, no, like, Luke Cowan Dickey <laughs> defending a winger in the corner of the pitch. Yeah. We can kind a of bit go more well, sympathy. He's, he's a bit of a fish out of water. Josh Adams in the corner defending a winger. Yeah, he was actually point. defending as a winger then. Yeah, Mike Halston just didn't know his tax rates. Yeah. 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 Um, and the other one was the yellow card, which I think was the correct decision. But what seems to be a moment of madness from him, he just, Sexton doesn't have the ball and he just, it's it's a however you want to call it, it's a shoulder charge to Sexton without the ball. Um, if Sexton has, even if Sexton catches the ball, it's still a shoulder charge. Yeah. And he's so lucky. If he hits Sexton in the head, if Sexton is two inches lower, it's a red card and actually quite a long ban. It's yeah. just a mo- total moment of madness. And then the worst thing is he he's like putting his arms up in the air. Like, wh- why am I getting pinged for this? Like, wh- what's going on? How ridiculous is this? Yeah. Well, you've just surely charged someone off, off. the ball. It, of course. It, it said everything to me about the, the frustration of yes. getting battered, basically. Uh, no. Agree. And I, I do have sympathy for that. It doesn't explain his decision, no, no, but I, I do have sympathy agree. for it. No, just on this selection decision, okay, I have not seen Josh Adams play URC a single second outside of that Toulouse game when he also played 13. Mm-hmm. But I do remember him at Worcester, and he's a very specialist type of player. I wouldn't say he's a all-rounder. I wouldn't say he's particularly adept at you know, the, the skills part of the game. Distribution or anything like that. But he's an amazing player. He's right? a great finisher. He's yeah. a world-class finisher. Yeah, like, you could legitimately make an argument for him being one of the best wingers in the world. Why he would play at 13 is beyond me. Okay, why do we not have that reaction to centres playing on the wing, but you have that reaction when it's a winger playing centre? No, I, I, I'm very much for specialists. I mean, I, I wouldn't have done what... what I wouldn't have done what England did. I, I don't. I don't like. I don't like centers on the wing. I don't like wings, wings and centers. Really, there's a few lads that can do it, but not many. Like maybe Jonathan Joseph can do it. But there's not. 
I wouldn't think I wouldn't think there's many actually, at all. As soon it? as you uh, as soon as you have the ball and you're attacking and you go beyond a first phase, well yeah. then actually it's not that difficult to have multi positional players. It is it is the distinct defensive elements of, of that position. Do you know how I thought of it before? I thought of it like when you do a when you play rugby, there are certain situations you love to find yourself in because you know what you can do and you've done it a million times before. Like a really simple one is I used to really love being uh, a forward in a, in, in a wide channel because I know I can ca- catch and give the ball. Right, so, you know, if I can manufacture those um, those sort of opportunities, I would do so. Uh, and I also know that I like hitting a line, going out, and then coming back in, and I know all the angles because I've done that a million times. And I think when you're a specialist winger or a specialist centre, you know the situations that you like to find yourself in. And when you move just one out, it does sound ridiculous. And it does sound counterintuitive because we're all talking about skills and chaos and open play. But a lot of rugby is is repetition. And I yeah. think that when you take these guys out of those particular things that they like to do, then it gets really, really hard. Because mm. if they're unfamiliar mm. with it, it, it does make yeah, a difference. Yeah, I get that. I suppose, that, as we've already touched on, Wales do have the very recent memory of it working very well in the case of George North. Mm. Yeah. And they are quite well, similar players. I'm I'm all for it in principle. But like you've got to practice being any one position, you have to practice mm. being every position or lots of position. Mm. So I, I don't particularly like... Guys playing wing for the club or thirteen for the club and playing wing and wing for the club and playing thirteen or playing wing and then fifteen. If you're not if you're not used to doing it, the same as if you're not at thirteen playing yeah, twelve. That's absolutely fair. It is a, it's a different skill. And George yeah, North was skill. was playing consistently for Ospreys yeah. in that position. And yeah, yes. sometimes it does. Ospreys, work. yeah, yes. Ospreys, Scarlets, no, no. Ospreys, no. Ospreys. Ospreys, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it, it works in the complete opposite direction, which is they just like the freedom of a new position and the chance to prove themselves, and they just go out and have a blinder. It just depends. I mean, that, that's happened loads of times. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be picking. I would. I, there's no evidence from his Worcester days, at least, that Josh Adams is an international thirteen. With, with, with the players that are available, who would you have put there then? Oh, I would Watkins on the bench, and I think he's a very capable. In individual, and you would have dropped out who from Mo- the starting um, lineup? Uh, Josh Adams, Mc- well, Mc- McNichol, anyone really? <laughs> just move um, Adams out one. Yeah. Yeah, I like I, I like Watkin. Uh, he's a big, he is big, a big strong boy, big strong boy. BSP passes, mind mind you. I also don't think he's probably hit the heights that he was expected to when he first mm. came through at the Ospreys. So maybe if he went over to England and played for played for a bit, he, <laughs> uh, he would improve. Got some serious, mm-hmm. got some serious rugby. Hmm. Any more for any more on this? Just love love Ireland at the minute, uh, and I'm and this is what I want as an England fan. This is what uh, if I was an Ireland fan, I'd be very pleased. Yeah. Equally, I can be quite pleased as an England fan because I'm going. Oh my, Ireland are looking pretty fearsome. When's the World Cup? Eighteen months away. Brilliant. Yeah. Perfect. That's fine. Time to peak. Oh, there <laughs> time is, to peak now. There is one thing I'd like to mention. Not skill as such. I, I was amazed how fast Gary. Gary Ringrose. Gary Ringrose was. You don't get many Garys these days, no, do you? No, you don't. I had to just check myself there. I was like, is it Gary? <laughs> Gareth? Uh, yeah, Gaz Ringrose. And there are uh, any rugby players rapid. called Kev? It's Kevin uh, Kev- Simfield, obviously. Kev, yeah. yeah. But there's not. There's no. Is there an international rugby player called Kevin? Was we, should have a, we should have a roll call on. Right, so let us know. Contact Tedchasers at gmail.com. I want. Old, old names that are not in vogue anymore still being bought, still being represented <laughs> not many, at international level. Not many Clive. Clive's I can't think of a single Clive. playing internationally no. anymore. Uh, and probably not since 
uh, Sir Clive Woodward. Oh, yeah, Clive Woodward. Uh, Cecil. Is it, I, think I, made Cecil. <laughs> I can imagine the odd Cecil, though. I, Cecil will come back. It does sound like a pretty... Though there must be a few kids in Chorlton called Cecil. Yeah. Whose yeah. parents, you know, wear masks in bespoke coffee shops and that kind of thing. JB <laughs> <laughs> um, got refused service at a, a specific coffee shop in Chorlton this weekend. He's asked to leave a line in a coffee shop in, in Chorlton this, this week for, for not wearing a mask. What? Exactly. Did I, did I not tell you? <laughs> no. Well, good gossip about this later. JB, oh, JB was both furious and delighted at the what, same what time. Did you, what did you do? I queued up. And it was like a pop-up coffee shop. So there's nowhere to sit down. I just wanted to grab a coffee before I you were asked by the by the patron by by another patron or no, by, the... by the owner. Oh my word! So you get into the shop, wear masks, and I absolutely not. <laughs> so that, that was it. That was the end of my. That was the end of that transaction. So, so, yeah. did, so they wouldn't serve you. No, what don't? Oh right, okay. All right, fine. Yeah. So you, you could have just said um, exempt. No, the thing is, I, I'm exempt. I, I, and then under under your breath. Yeah. Some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could. See, I, I save, I save my. Wrath. That was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> that was a joke. I, I save my wrath for um, large corporate busybodies or uh, government apparatchiks. If you're a private business and you want to, what is this word apparatchik? I've heard this a, a lot uh, recently. Apparatchik. What does it mean? It's just like you know, the go- basically a government busybody who's right. trying, who wants to enforce the rules. Okay. I think it was. Um, was it not a term in Russia? Russia, yeah, Soviet Union. Oh, Russia. right, okay. Yeah, the apparatchiks were the, you know, they, they weren't nice people. Yeah. P- particularly nice people, that's probably. An interesting one I, I learned about the, because uh, people use the word refusenik. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is a terrible word, You use that way. very casually, and I don't think the people that use that word so casually realise it was the name given to Jewish people in Soviet countries who were not only stopped from leaving to go to their homeland... And made to stay in the country, they were also given the lowest um, status jobs. It's horrendous in society. Well, I don't think it was, was it just was it Jewish people? Or was it? I think everyone who didn't accept communism. No, I think it was, I think it was Jews. But yeah, it's it, you know, it's got some serious history that that word. But we yeah. Think so maybe, maybe think maybe yeah. think, maybe just have a little think before you use that word. Yeah. Anyway, so France, yeah, France. Oh my word! Amazing well, anthems. It, uh, yeah, it, it peaked at the end. Pretty anthem. good game for the first. Yeah, it was half, all right actually. actually. It was a good game. Italy put up a much better fight than I was expecting. Wales Italy's looking like a great match. Well, we we were saying we, Jay and I were watching this together, and we actually kind of joked around that the wooden spoon decider. Yeah, Sam Warburton did say at one point during the coverage, um, there are five good teams in this Six Nations tournament. And I thought, you know. At least he's able to be critical of his homeland. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Italy put in a better showing against France than Wales did against Ireland this week. Definitely. Um, Italy played pretty well, looked dangerous at times, were very physical. Some of the hits they put on that that monstrous France pack were awesome. And time and time again, they kept on on going. Um, They never really had enough to worry France, though. Uh, and I thought with 20 minutes ago it was 23-10 thought if Italy can keep it under under 30 they've done well unfortunately that, that Villiers well taken hat-trick as the very final um, roll of the dice in the game made it probably the right scoreline but maybe a little bit harsh on, on Italy I'd, lo- mm. I'd, lo- I'd love to get up close and personal and watch this France team scrimmage whether it be on the scrum machine or in real life, or even better, 
Just go get some for one. Just, 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 <laughs> tell, them, tell them to go easy. But I, just, I just want to know what it's like. If this, down if, against if, them. if this doesn't sound too dodgy as well, I'd love to just just see what Monty Ioani's rig's like. No, no. Oh, I would like. It Monty looks like Ron. it'll be incredible. He's in good nick. Do you know what I would love to do? I'd love to lift Cam- Cameron Walkie. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to be the yes. back lifter of Cameron Walkie. <laughs> Imagine that. I tell you what, he is such a luxury player for them. He's brilliant. He doesn't even play second row, but he's in the second row at the moment. Put him in the second row. And they can get away with it because they've got Paul Wilhelms or whatever his name is. Wilhelmsy. Wilhelmsy. He's quite is. comparable to Courtney Laws in that sense. Like, destructive player plays across, like, like second yeah. row, second second row, row back, back row. row. I think it'd be weird if I text Courtney and ask if I could lift him. <laughs> Might be strange. Maybe. Well, well I, I did weigh Sam Simmons. <laughs> you did. And he, weigh you Sam confirmed Simmons. he was ninety kilos on the nose. Yeah, yeah. on the nose. <laughs> so yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, it also helps having Uini Antonio um, anchoring the scrum. Yes, it yes, does. it does. Yeah, they've got some rather Bai. incredible and hu- human Bamber beings. Off the bench. And, and Paul Villalmsa is not small. No. Well, what well, I thought he was. I thought he was the heaviest player in the Six Nations at one point. He was second heaviest behind Antonio. Because I'm sure... Uh, it depends, because Antonio's been in and out of the squad, hasn't he? Do you know what I'm thinking of? When France played Wales and France were rubbish, uh, maybe before the World Cup, I'm not even sure, or maybe just after the World Cup, they had the biggest pack ever assembled. And it was Wilhelm Zee, Varmahina... Varmahina, with probably um, Taufifinua on the bench. Uh, oh. I can't remember the back row, but I'm sure Weedy Antonio was... Weenie Antonio was yeah. involved, and it's yeah. one and then two. How was? No, oh, no although the same position. he has been um, convicted of something this uh, this, uh, this week again. No, it is an ongoing case. I think from two. No, but wasn't he? Didn't he have a conviction in years gone by? Yeah, and I think it's this which has now come to fruition. I think so. Oh, I wow. think it's been going on for about four years. Anyway, he that should be behind him now. I would, I would have thought, but yeah, colourful so. colour, past. I'm just looking up uh, Taufifinua and Paul Villemsa. Obviously, um, Taufifinua came on for Villemsa. Both of them are just a bit over 21 stone. Oh, my goodness. Weenie Antonio is 22. Massive. Wow. Absolutely massive. You can see why that would take its toll on you, wouldn't you, as they run into you over time and, over and time and, and time again. again. Well, you just have to make them get down and get back up again lots of times. And get them turning. Yeah. yeah. Who told me this? I'm trying to think who it was that told me this about Weenie Antonio. It might have been. Can I name drop? You normally oh, do. You... <laughs> Clang. No, I, I Go on, name. do it, do it, do well, it. Because it's so obvious who would have said it. But um, someone who played in France who's a friend of the pod. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> How uh, is the silverback? Yeah. <laughs> commented that when he played against Weenie Antonio, he had to roll onto his front to, 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 go, <laughs> to get up. <laughs> which is pretty athletic wow <laughs> I'll tell you who I saw um, he's been in lockdown quite a lot recently but Joe Marler's shuffle when he was chasing kicks he's only on for 20 minutes or so his shuffle he's still he's quite quick but his shuffle when he's chasing kicks is something to behold he doesn't run like a normal man no, like a normal well, person would run he's not a normal man is he he is not a normal person he's far from it he, yeah he, uh, he um, he's a very Interesting and funny guy, and he's got he's got a kind of comical, comical running gait. He definitely does. It is a shuffle is the best way of describing yeah. it. I think his legs move. Yeah, you're right. Actually, it's kind of cartoon like. <laughs> can imagine him on the wacky races or something. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Or on the Flintstones. 
Yeah, France are massive. France will get better. They weren't at their best. Italy no. were encouragingly better, but predictably can't sustain a level of intensity in international rugby. So, yeah, Maximin Luca uh, has got shades of uh, Michelac. Michelac. I was like, is that? He, second he, coming. He, he can't be back again, can he? The second coming of Michelac. Oh, the yeah. third coming or fourth coming of Michelac. Lacing up his boots like Bruce Willis yeah. saying he's <laughs> tall for this shit. And again, <laughs> and, and Villiers is just the archetypal reason why English rugby needs to look to France. Uh, uh, Villiers. A lower low league club or something? Yes, he and did. And Jaminet. And Jaminet as well. Um, Villiers and Pernod is... Not quite as little and large as some of the others, but they are mm. a bit of a little, little they are, and large actually, combo. Yeah. I love Pernod. Pernod's I so, love Pernod. Pernod's so good. He is, isn't he? He's like, he, he, had, he had a fairly quiet game, but he still had a few wonderful moments. But he's such you a know, good He player. reminds me of like a world, world-class world footballer. Do you know the kind of guy who does nothing all game and then scores two goals at, at the end? Even when he's not doing great things, he'll then go and do great, great, uh, great things towards the end of the game. I just think he's brilliant. Like I said before, Josh Adams, he could you could argue he's one of the best wingers in the world. I think this guy is the best winger in the world. He, he could be. He's right up there. Um, question. Very important question. Who has nicer hair? Marcus Smith or Roman Entomac? Ooh. And follow-up question. Who touches their hair more? Because bo- they're constantly, both of them are constantly judging, judging their hair up. They are. Every, every time the camera pans, they, they've got the spidey senses tingle every time the camera pans to them and they flick and zhuzh up their hair. Untermac will be cleaning up. <laughs> they I are, imagine he's popular. He's a very handsome man uh, with a wonderful head of hair and an incredibly talented rugby player. Answer to the first question, Untermac. Answer to the second question, Marcus Smith. I'd probably go with that. Yeah. I think both both cool, handsome who, dudes. Who, who, Absolutely. No, I, I think I actually think Romain and Untermac is cooler than Marcus Smith. Yeah, I I probably agree in every single way. Even his name, Marcus Smith, Romain Intermac. Come on, Intermac. In fact, we're gonna look him up now. See what my favourite picture of him is. <laughs> picture of him. There's a picture of him. I think just in his briefs after he's won yeah. the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. In the changing room. It might be the top fourteen title. Yes. Or, or, the, or, the, or, champion, the, or the Champions Cup. Yeah. Take your pick. Take your pick. But he's wearing just his uh, undies. Wow. And his hair looks great. And I'm, I took the, head, the hair on top of his head. Let me be clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, uh, oh, he's, small, he's, he's, he's a bit more smouldering than uh, Marcus Smith. Marcus oh, he, Smith he knows, he knows Marcus he's Smith, a good-looking boy. Marcus Smith always looks kind of happy to be there. Um, Ro- Roman. Maybe I'm... Just cool, effortlessly cool. Yeah. Maybe I'm just putting things onto Roman Entomac, which I don't know to be true. I'm just, you know, stereotyping. Uh, but Marcus Smith strikes me as the more serious version of Johnny Wilkinson. And I, more serious than more, Johnny Wilkinson. No, yeah, 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 yeah. more, no more serious, more <laughs> studious Johnny Wilkinson. No, 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 no. No, no one's more no, studious or more serious well, than Johnny know. Wilkinson. I, I, but well, I, but I, I, I like the comparison because, yeah, people talk about Maverick, Marcus Smith, and all the rest of it. He, he does have amazing hard. skill, but he is very, I think he's more like Johnny Wilkinson than Finn Russell. 100%. He, he's an incredibly hard worker. You know, so well, Finn not, Russell's an incredibly yeah, yeah, hard yeah. worker. I know what but, you mean. Yeah, I know what you're see, saying. Yeah, yeah. Now I'd like to think that Romain Intermac smokes. I mean, I don't know if he does, <laughs> but I, I'd like to think he does. Just, just the occasion when he's having his morning coffee and pastry. Yeah, just he eats pastry. O- Marcus Smith will eat pastry. Well, just, just a single cigarillo type. Yes. I told you about when I went to uh, X on Provence for the Challenge Cup final. 
was working there, Bristol versus Toulon, and all all the non-playing Toulon players were smoking. Were that they? Was, there was a massive bunch of them all smoking outside the stadium. God, so God, smoking is cool again now. <laughs> so <laughs> I've never smoked, but I want to now. <laughs> I played rugby for a long time, in at least a couple of stints with a chap who I won't name, but and I won't tell you where else he played actually because I might give it away. But um, he he told me, look, he joked about it, but a little bit confidentially that he played one of the clubs he played at, very good club. Um, there was a couple of French lads, and he was um, sharing a house with them. And they got into a routine of after uh, after training, they'd go for a coffee and a pastry, and they'd just have one cigarette after after training. These you know, are profe- like, this, professional players. You've either told me this before, or I've heard the same story from. from... I think it, 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 this guy might not be alone, but basically he went from. Um, Doing that to having one cigarette once a day with these yes, guys. Yes, you have told to me like this. To like a 20-a-day habit. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's like that Euro- um, Southern European wet drinkers that you talked about on a previous episode where there's a Northern European dry drink drinkers. As, as in, you can habitually just have a little bit yes. when, you're in the, when you're in sunnier climes and vi- those Viking lands and this Northern European, we, we just hammer it yeah, when, one, we get, when we do have it. Once a week, yeah. yeah and very much a... Dry drinker, um, yeah. I, I'm well. I always used to be. I always used to be a dry drinker. I think actually lockdown probably changed me a little bit. I'm more of a wet drinker than na- at the moment than I ever have been before. So there's an element of smoking I really quite like as a non-smoker. Because <laughs> right? uh, you, you are definitely a non-smoker. You do not smoke. I do not smoke. Uh, and you, you don't. Them. You don't smoke when you have a beer or no, anything like that. Not a non-smoker. But one aspect of it really appeals to me. So cigars, I didn't realise this, but cigars are obviously quite expensive. And one of the things you can't really do with a cigar, you can do it, but it's not recommended at all, is to put it out and start again. Oh, really? Yeah, so the idea is you buy a large, large cigar and you do it all in one go. So Is that just a machismo thing? There's no... I can't imagine... It, does it, it's not going to ruin it by stopping it and starting apparently again. Apparently it goes stale, yeah. Allegedly. Oh, okay. So I've watched a few YouTube videos on, uh, on, on, on this, obviously. So you, you can learn anything on YouTube, yeah. can't you? So I thought this is real. Well, my, my thought was, I bet the cigars are like wine. I bet there's like a massive culture behind them. I bet there's, you know, good ones, bad ones, good producers. There's all sorts of things. And there's lots of nonsense as well, no doubt. Oh, so much nonsense. I watched this uh, one video where they, 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 talk, they talk about the best things to pair cigars with. But it's like from Bud Light all the way down to coffee. It's like, okay, this is nonsense. Um, but what I do like about it is because it's, you've got to commit to smoking this thing and it could take you like two hours, you should do it with someone else. And the whole principle is it's a commitment of time to spend with someone else chatting whilst you have your have your cigar. Oh, and I okay. do quite like that. There's a certain element of so you know, being social. social so yeah. I invite you around to my house for a cigar, well, you're locked in now for two hours because we're not allowed to do anything else other than smoke a cigar. And, in the... and drink our whiskies. And drink our whiskies. And as soon as you garden. crack that bottle, the, the, as soon as you break the seal on that bottle of whiskey, that's exactly. going down as well. And then, you know, so there is something quite nice to that. I do remember being in a bar in Krakow. I think it was just me and you at about three o'clock in the morning. And having a couple of beers, maybe a gin and tonic, maybe, it, maybe a morning. Yeah, it actually might have been close to like five in the morning, six, six in the morning. It was definitely light when we got out of there. But I just remember a girl coming round selling cigarettes inside this bar, and neither of us smoke. And we, I think you asked the question, "Can we smoke in here?" She's like, "Yeah." 
I'm in. Okay, we'll have. <laughs> <laughs> we bought such a novelty. It might be one of the first packs of cigarettes I've ever bought. Yeah. Uh, we smoked smoke maybe, maybe the only cigarette t- I've ever had yeah we smoked maybe two of them and we're like this is rubbish isn't it it is so rubbish <laughs> it is rubbish <laughs> <laughs> and it's, email- it's not cool for any kids listening nah I mean, it's subversive now because I've banned it isn't it so you know a few emails from uh, before we finish up here uh, make sure you read the email from uh, 3rd of was it the 3rd of February that's a really good email can we, can we read can we read the, the email from Ross Digby Patel Yes, that's exactly where I was going. Ah, I think I think it's an interesting one. Yeah, because I didn't spot it at the time, and then I rewatched Joe, it. No, no, there's one. I uh, went. What's the date? You need to read this one. Oh, here I've, I've, I've got well, a few. Let's 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 read this Ross Digby Patel one first. This, one this first. is quite a quick one. So, this Ross Digby Patel says, um, who I think he's Scottish, says, "Good evening, oh, good game this evening. England should have won with a possession of territory." But given I thought we'd be stuffed by 30, I'll take the outcome. That being said, Scotland's first try should not have stood. The ball was caught by the ball boy, which it was, straight from the kick. It's dead. Therefore, the quick line-out should not have been allowed. Staggered they did not check this, given it happened before in the Six Nations. Mike Mike Phillips versus Ireland, 2009. And just wanted to point this out. So... That is it. Well, first, thank you for the email. And what... That, that email right there just demonstrates the incredible rugby knowledge and um, oh, I can't think of the right word, ironically, as I'm just praising someone for being so... Uh, astute. Astute, yeah. yeah. Insightful. Insightful. Their, that is the word intellect. I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fantastic email. And I, I didn't spot this. Nobody spotted this except uh, evidently Ross. And he's absolutely on the money. Well. Or is he? Here's my question. I don't actually know the answer to this. But I don't know if it was a quick line-out. Because the line-out actually formed. So the the, the ball boy mm. catches the ball. Um, the hooker takes it off him. Uh, or he might have even taken a separate ball. But it, anyway, it has been touched. But both, I think both sides of the line-out actually get there. And then he throws the ball in. So he's just, as soon as the line-out is formed, the ball gets thrown in. And England were not prepared, but if they forward the line-out, yeah. the question is, do they need to... Uh, there's no there's no, no signal that anyone needs to give. Once once you're in the line-out, the line-out is formed, therefore they can take Scotland can take it at any point they want. Yeah, now, I, I'm just remembering this now, because I'm reading the email, I saw this in real time, I thought the same thing. Um... Yeah, there's no reason why Scotland can't take it. There really isn't. Yeah, because it, it it was it was referred to in comms. It was referred to in comms as a quick lineout, but I don't think it was, it, as in a quick lineout where you throw the ball immediately or shortly thereafter um, it goes dead. It was a lineout taken quickly, rather than a quick lineout. If that makes sense, if the differentiation makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I'm just gonna get it up. Uh, just while, while, while you're here, get, we, here we go. Oh, there's, you got there's, it. A, there's another email somewhere that you need to read, Tim. Where, where, where's, while where's you're that? getting it up, I'll just read this from Robert McGregor, who is in Toronto. He's Scottish and just wanted to highlight how incredible the Six Nations is and rugby in general no, at bringing it. together British and Irish communities outside of the home nations. He was in, um, he was in Hemingway's Bar in Toronto. 
and that's a great spot to uh, enjoy rugby. And he was there with people who are all resplendent in, the, in their club, presumably early in the morning, yeah, 9am until, he says, to be honest, Christ knows when we all left on the Saturday <laughs> evening. But what an unbelievable way to spend the day and uh, rugby bringing people together. So, uh, yeah, well done to Damien, owner of Hemingway's Bar. Sounds like if you're in Toronto, that's where you need to go to uh, get your rugby fix. And says, uh, would love for you gents to host a live pod in North America at some point. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to go. Rob, as soon as we can, we're there. Let's, let's, a, let's see this. Joel, Joel VP or jo- Joseph Pinkerson. Let, let, let's, let's see this. There we go. So we're watching. So... Is, yeah, line outs formed. You're right. Yeah, it, two it, players. It, it, he took it quickly, but nevertheless, it was a it was a conventional line out. It was a quickly taken line out rather than a quick line out. So I, I think, yeah, in, intuitively, I thought that was okay, but I don't actually know because I never really form a line out. Yeah, uh, Ben Mabbert is. Um, I'll summarise his uh, email by basically saying, "Is this hashtag downfall 2022, JB?" Ooh. Uh, for Wales, it is. <laughs> <laughs> For Wales, it's over. Uh, it's it, 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 well, maybe it's maybe it's downfall twenty twenty two for England. Uh, Wales is apocalypse now. Uh, the problem, problem with England, they they finished fifth last year. They can't really fall any lower. I mean, it, it's I know it's possible for them to fall lower. It seems unlikely. God, I forgot about fifth. It just doesn't feel, does it? Like the past six nations actually counted for anything. <laughs> it was a strange time. Looking through. Um, the kind of reports of the games attendance nil attendance nil attendance yeah. nil mm. I write that off for Six Nations um, oh, well, uh, interesting email here from Dale Newton as well no, that's not the one Tim contacthedchasers <laughs> at gmail.com uh, he, he said I was, I'm listening to you in your Six Nations preview pod talk about the idea of a forward covering 12 or 13 for England I thought you guys might be interested in Eddie Jones's answer to a question which Dale put to him via the Telegraph's Ask Eddie feature a couple of months ago Ooh, exciting. Mm. and he asked about playing someone like Sam Simmons or Alex Dombrant, a, pay, a skillful, a pacey or a skillful, respectively, uh, back rower in the backs. And Eddie Jones's response was, we'd love to do it. The impediment is there's no space in the game now. The game has changed. There used to be seven or eight forwards at every breakdown. Now there are three or four. That means 12 defenders on their feet and the pitch has not got any wider. That's the, the main thrust of Eddie, jo- uh, Eddie Jones's point. But actually, and it sort of ties in with his multi-positional players in the backs... He said he would he would love to do it. And Dale notes, he says, uh, I agree actually with JB that Alfie Barbary looks like a player who could potentially replace Tuolangi there. Did I say that? Or was it joking? I was joking. Yeah, I think we've yes. I think we've joked at uh, Barbary or Sam Simmons. Well, he started, or Ben Earl. But Barbary was a back when he started playing, wasn't he? Yeah, he, was, he was a, a centre. I was a centre in school. So was, yeah. so was Tom Youngs. Yes. He, he played Get uh, Nottingham for Leicester. He played for Leicester at centre. Tigers yep. before he went on loan to Nottingham. Um, Is there any others? Are there any others? What about? Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I think there's one more. Uh, Joe, uh, yeah, three days ago, there was one. Joe LVP. I'll see mm. if you can find it. Maybe, maybe, maybe the next one. Yeah, I might find that in the uh, in the Premiership podcast. In fact, we'll find that po- we'll find that email in the Premiership podcast. Great. It's just a, just a really insightful email. Anyway, um, this is the one that I've read this. I can't 100% be certain that it's not a joke, this email. I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, I'm pretty sure that it's it, it's legit. I think it probably is. The badness of probability is I'd edge that way. But I'm not 100% confident. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you're just finishing this podcast now and thinking, what are they talking about? All will be revealed. Yes. Maybe. 
Click the Premiership Podcast, and uh, and, and that will be invo- involved in our discussion as we'll uh, look at all the other rugby. Uh, but to support us, patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. Just leaving us a five star review and li- and subscribing would be great as well. Tell your mates, enjoy the rugby. It's time of the year, like the boys do, play. Do we, do we want to mention one final thing on this pod? We could cut it there if we want. No, mention it. Do it now. Where we are most likely going to be on Super Saturday weekend. And we should pick this up at the start of the Premiership pod as well, just to cover all bases. Definitely. Uh, we are looking 95% likely. Yeah, as of tomorrow, it'll be, we'll, we'll have gone firm, as the army say. Yes, um, that we will be in Lisbon for the final weekend, 19th of March, uh, for the finals weekend, but also to watch Portugal versus Russia in the Tier 2 Six Nations, yes, on the European Rugby Nations. No, that's on the Saturday. Oh, is it? That's early kickoff on the Saturday. Um, tickets are not yet available, but tickets, if they are like other Portugal tickets, are 10 euros a pop. Ten. Absolute bargain. And this, this could potentially be a... I think this could potentially be a World Cup spot deciding game, depending yeah. on how the rest of the tournament plays out. Exactly. So but we'll be there. Come and join us. That was mostly... Yeah, I think we will... I think we are very, very confident that we will be in Lisbon on the 19th of March for that game. And we will be releasing more details on what we'll be planning um, over that weekend in the coming weeks. There might not be a live pod, but there will be a lot of live drinking. Live beers. Live beers. Yeah, live in real-time beers. Beers and watching rugby. The the content of what happens during those live beers will definitely make it onto a a pod. Yes, quite, quite. Yes. Uh, and you can come and make some memories and enjoy some rugby in a in a tier two nation at a tier two event. So yeah, more on that in a bit. Let the boys play. I will play. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving thirty three percent with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a fifteen stem bunch of tulips for just nine ninety nine each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.